0: This morning, Jen woke up, made 3 breakfasts, did 2 loads of laundry, and one conference call. But she also saved $25 because Jen uses a new innovation from Huntington called Money Scout. It analyzes Jen's checking account to find money that's not being used and moves it to her savings automatically. Learn more and enroll at huntington.com/moneyscout. Huntington. Welcome. Message and data rates may apply to text alerts. Money Scout is subject to eligibility terms and conditions and other account agreements. Member FDIC.
1: Before we get started with today's episode, I want to take a second to talk to y'all about Anchor. If you're anything like me, you've kind of recently fallen into the world of podcasting, both on the listening and creating side. I recently found a bunch of podcasts that I love and decided it was about time that I make one of my own because I love talking to people and I love sharing creative ideas and this was just the perfect way to do that, but I had no idea how to do it because of course, I've never done it before but some of the podcasts I listened to mentioned Anchor and I decided to check it out and it is the best decision I have ever made. Anchor is a free podcasting service that allows you to record, distribute, and pick the cover art and music for your own podcast. I mean, what else can you ask for? It makes the whole process so simple, especially for those of us who are just starting out and really have no idea what we're doing and in order to distribute your podcast it takes little to no work from you at all. Anchor will distribute your podcast to places like Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, the whole nine yards and you can just watch yourself grow and change and it's a great way to develop that learning experience. So if anyone is interested in making a podcast anytime soon or ever really, Go to anchor.fm to check it out. Now on with the episode. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to the Fangirl Files podcast. I'm Sabrina.
2: I'm Madison.
1: And today we are going into part two of Taylor Swift's Evermore. Yeah. (laughs) But first, (laughs) Happy New Year because it's officially 2021 and we lived. And hopefully you all decided to um, scream Jumanji at midnight. Oh, I didn't.
2: I I literally looked at the clock and was like, oh, it's midnight. It's
1: 2021. (laughs) No, no, no. I was sitting on the couch with um, my boyfriend and we just looked at each other and we were like, well, Jumanji didn't work. We're still here. But, uh, you know.
2: Unfortunately. Well, no, not unfortunately. That sounds so bad.
1: Well, I mean, people need to understand that this podcast contains a lot of Gen Z humor. So I guess we could say that.
2: Oh, we're Zoomers.
1: We're Oh, God. Oh, oh God, don't call us that. Uh, no, I've never heard that term before, but that makes me want to cry. <laughs>
2: Literally, the community that I'm a part of says Zoomers all the time.
1: I love that, but also I hate that, so I don't know how to feel. Oh, <laughs> She's physically disgusted. I don't even know what to say to that. Mm. Well, I guess I'll say, like, we originally planned for this episode to be a review of Wonder Woman's 1984. Yeah, but it was garbage. Yeah, we thought it was garbage, and if you want us to talk about it, like, really, really bad, I guess we will another time, but our review unanimously states that it is trash, and we would prefer to pretend that
2: it doesn't exist. What's your rating out of 10? Out of 10? Yes. I'll give it a 4. Oh, I gave it a 3.
1: I'm giving it a four just because I'm being generous. I'm like, okay, they brought everyone back, and like, I'm not like too unsatisfied or dissatisfied. I guess with the fact that Nicolas Cage was in not Nicolas Cage. What the f- is his
2: name? <laughs> I'm not. Can you too- imagine if Nicolas Cage was in Wonder Woman? I would buy that shit. I don't care how bad it is. My sister, <laughs> Mackenzie, she was gonna get me Nicholas Cage body pillow for Christmas.
1: Oh my god, I wish really yeah.
2: did. Random tangent. I would love
1: that. No, um, no, but I'm the only reason it gets a four out of ten was because Chris Pine stuck around.
2: <laughs> Nicholas That's <from> it.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> they are so ah! far away from each other.
1: They really are. <laughs> <laughs> this is due to, we record this podcast at night and we're both tired so yeah and and madison is intoxicated so
2: i've had a little bit of wine i'm not intoxicated
1: not not yet anyway it's okay oh
2: true i'll get another serving of it
1: yeah and i'll just pop the bottle of bailey's that's sitting on my desk and i'll just give you a intoxicated re- re- review
2: of wonder woman
1: then, well i was gonna say of taylor swift because like how else do you Oh, just, just like nobody, no crime, sipping wine and gossiping it would be fun. Yeah. But yeah, happy 2021, my friends. Hopefully. Best of luck in this level of the game.
2: Yeah. Hopefully yeah. Um, we see some improvements with everything that's been going on in 2020.
1: Yeah. Let's hope we all get vaccinated by the end of 2021.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I just think, too, like. Even though it is a new year, just keep remembering to keep on fighting, keep on, you know, keep on going.
1: It doesn't make everything go away. Exactly. So keep doing what we've been doing. And hopefully, hopefully one day we can be like Australia, who I might add are hosting full in-person sporting events. And I love that for them. So let's hope we end up like Australia. Yeah. Anyways, Evermore
2: Part 2. Yep. So we had audio issues last time.
1: Yeah. Let's hope that doesn't happen again. Let's hope our Wi-Fi's are both better and we're not talking over each other this time. And if it happens again, well then.
2: It wasn't even us talking over each other. For some Mm. reason, like, my audio came in way earlier. And so it sounded like I was talking over you. But, like that wasn't yeah that's what i meant oh okay my bad yeah
1: yeah no you weren't we were never talking over each other obviously like there will be times where we talk over each other because like it's a conversation yeah but it was never like intentional that we were trying to like cut each other off so yeah let's hope we don't have any of those issues again
2: yeah i really hope so because i was like well
1: Yeah, because we had, like, a really good review going. Yeah. And I edited it down to an hour. I was so excited. And then, ah. Yeah. (sighs) But, hey, at least we left off at uh, No Body, No Crime. You gave a pretty detailed story breakdown. So if you want to do that again.
2: Yeah, I have everything written down. So.
1: Absolutely. So.
2: Let's go, my
1: guy! (laughs) Happy dance time (laughs) here in the studio today. We are very comfortable with the energy we have created in the studio today. Yeah,
2: it's very calm. I don't know why. It's the wine. It's the wine. It is all right. Truly, so Taylor Swift and Esty, who is friends with Taylor. Uh, They meet at Olive Garden every Tuesday night. And on this particular day, Esty mentions that she believes her husband is cheating because she says, that ain't my Merlot on his mount, that ain't my jewelry on her joint account. So she plans to call him out um, because of the infidelity. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. Esty isn't at the regular Tuesday session. So obviously something's wrong because when your girl doesn't show up, you know, like, you're like, oh, without a call. too, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Esty's husband reports her um, and Taylor Swift's character walks by his house, sees that his truck has brand new tires and that the mistress is sleeping in the bed. And so the new tires sort of signify that he likely changed them out to cover his tracks. And the fact that um, the other woman like moved in so quickly shows that he's not like broken up about his wife. So he likely did it. Right. So, that further implicates him in the murder. And Taylor Swift supe- suspects that he kills Esty, but she can't prove it because there isn't a body, hence, no body, no crime. But I did have a question for you, though. Do you think the mistress was in on it?
1: I, yes, on Esty's murder, absolutely. And there's like nothing in the song to indicate that other than the fact that like she did move into the house so quickly. Yeah. Like she's sleeping in Esty's bed.
2: That's what I was and, thinking. Uh,
1: Yeah, like, as Taylor Swift says, like, it's kind of rubbing her the wrong way that she's already sleeping in Esty's bed. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like either the husband said, like, oh, I kicked her out. It's done. It's over. And this wife is asking no questions. But also all of Esty's things are in the house still. Mm -hmm. Or she was in on it. Or she knows he did it already. Or she knows he was going to do it and just doesn't care. So she was probably in on it if she's not really saying shit about
2: anything. That's what I was thinking, too, because usually when, like, someone goes missing, you kind of want to be like, oh, I need to give them space to, like, mourn it. You know what I mean?
1: Right. But if the mistress knows about the wife, it's likely she doesn't care. Like, I'm not saying this is the case for every in which Mm -hmm. there is an other woman because some other women genuinely don't know and this is just my opinion if you have a differing opinion like it's fine if the other woman doesn't know then you have no right to be mad at the woman but Mm. if the other woman knows it's likely she doesn't give a damn so the second she heard Esty was dead if she knew that she existed then it's likely that she doesn't even care that she's dead she's not even going to question it
3: Mm.
1: all she cares about is that she gets the inheritance of like the husband She gets him in the end and she doesn't care what happened to SC.
2: Okay. So after the mistress moves in, Um, It's obvious that uh, Taylor Swift kills Esty's husband and she definitely isn't going to get caught because um, uh, she says, like, good thing my daddy made me get a boating license when I was 16. So she probably dumped him in, like, uncharted waters. And so law enforcement, again, won't be able to find the body. And Taylor Swift also states, I've cleaned enough houses to know how to cover up a scene. And she also has an alibi because she says, like, good thing Esty's sister is going to swear she was with me. So... Oh, and then the mistress also took out a big life insurance policy, which Sabrina mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. So that looks sus. And so the police are probably focused on the mistress rather than with Taylor Swift, which means that, which the line, they think she did it, but they just can't prove it. And then she thinks I did it, but they just can't prove, or she just can't prove it.
1: Yeah, I think that change up at the end was really powerful because like the entire (laughs) song is so repetitive, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, I think he did it, she thinks I did it, but I think, or no, what was it? It's, she thinks I did it. And I think that was just the most powerful part of the song, because it was like, it snapped me out of, like, the rhythm, and I was like, oh. And then, like, that just signifies, if you hadn't caught on to, like, what Taylor was saying in the bridge before, you now know that, like, She's the one that murdered the husband. Did it remind you a little bit of old school Taylor? Is my question.
2: Yeah. Like like, a little bit.
1: I think it's so relaxing and like. Just reminiscent of old school Taylor. But like also very. It tells so much more of a story than her old stuff. So like is reminiscent of it. But it's definitely not like anything she's done before. Hmm.
2: Like this is literally a crime novel. Yeah, and that's what I liked about it, too. And when I was first listening to the song, like, I was more focused on, like, pulling apart, like, the steps and everything like that. And now I'm thinking yeah. about it and the fact that it could likely be from an older time period because, like, right. from what I know about, like, forensics – um it's advanced within the past few decades to the point where you could literally leave like a single strand of hair and you can get indicted so yeah. the fact that like taylor was able to get a taylor's character was able to get away with the murder so easily basically implies that this is just within like older times i guess i should say
1: yeah and i think she wanted to give it kind of like a saloon vibe or like mm. Because she's talking about Olive Garden, so I'm assuming it's probably not 1930. You know, it's probably a little bit later, at least. But it's, like, very clear that these people are very high class. Like, like if mm-hmm. the husband's life insurance policy is that huge, he's, obvi- like, not a slump by any means. True. So, clearly, they're very high class, but it was just so... Like the imagery of this song from beginning to end is insane. Mm. I think my favorite part was when she said, Thank goodness my daddy had me take out a boating license when I was 16, and I've cleaned up enough houses to know how to cover up a scene. Like, that was my favorite part of the song mm. because it was just like that imagery. Like, I could see it happening in my head, or even at the beginning with the Olive Garden and. Mm-hmm. And and that's what helped the song really, like, be impact. If it was about nothing, I don't think anybody would give this song a second thought.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also impactful, too, because, like, it's basically revenge against someone who shouldn't be out on the streets and things like that. And I think as, like, women in general, like, we have this shared experience to where, like, you know, sometimes we get harmed by men and we don't receive justice from the law law enforcement and from the system because like um we deserve it and like that whole mindset of like victim blaming and and rape culture and things like that so i think that's really empowering because it's showing i think that's why it's common too because it's just showing women being able to band together and create like their own justice
1: right like, and it's not even necessarily rape culture because in the song, I don't think there's much evidence that Esty's husband has raped her, but it's yeah. also just the concept that he is cheating on her. When it's mm-hmm. a man cheating, the everyone is thinking, okay, well, maybe the woman isn't satisfying him, or maybe the woman isn't doing this or that for him, and like maybe he just wants to be happy. And people are more forgiving of men when they cheat than women, so I think it was really nice to see see like the uni. The unity of like women in that song,
2: yeah, banding together, giving each other alibis, and
1: yeah, it's like okay, I'm gonna get my justice for this situation because it's also like it shows friendship because Taylor Swift murders her friend's husband. It's not like it's not like he cheated on her. Yeah, she's getting justice for the friend that deserved better. Yeah, which is it kind of reminds me of a Carrie Underwood song. I believe it's Church Bells or something.
2: I haven't heard the song, but I did hear when I was, like, researching this song that there were that Carrie Underwood did a song similar to this one.
1: Yeah, that one is about, like, an abusive marriage, and the guy ends up dead at the end. So it's, it reminds me of that, too. And I love that song. Yeah. I don't know how to, like... Because we touched on everything that I had to say about the song, like, within this conversation. Like, there's... In terms of lyrics, it is very repetitive, and it's like you have to... Pay attention to everything but the chorus in order to
2: get the story. Yeah, which was pretty cool. I did have more to say, but I don't. Yeah, think go it's, ahead. I don't think to... it's relevant to the song anymore because, uh, I forgot Olive Garden is like not a very old establishment. So I was gonna say like. Yeah, I let feel me like.
1: See. Wait, well, let me see when Olive Garden was found founded. It says that it was founded on december 13th 1982
2: 19 oh that kind of blows my well no because when was criminal justice because at some point criminal justice was basically like um a bad person is born bad and like they had they had limited knowledge of like how murders actually operated and how like murderers when was the bau founded because that's that's this is going to be an entire history lesson when was the bau founded <laughs> created oh
1: 1972.
2: 1972
1: okay then so i think that wait was a minute right after bundy
2: oh wait a minute and Olive garden was founded when 1982 1982 okay i might be well i'll just say it anyway so like i feel like the reason why taylor swift was able to get away with it is because like there's this notion that women are supposed to be like these frail gentle creatures so -hmm. it's like obviously she can't kill the dude because um right women can't be murderers so i feel like and men also view women as like materialistic creatures like Mm -hmm. i've seen so many youtube videos to where it's like obviously scripted but like the men will walk up to a woman and they'll be like, hi, hello. And she'll be like, ew, get away from me. And then suddenly he shows up in a Ferrari and, like, she's all over the car and things like that. And YouTube right. comments suggest that a lot of men agree with that assumption. So the fact that the mistress takes out that big life insurance policy sort of shows that law right. enforcement and is then, on to her.
1: And, well, actually, it says they think she did it. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, oh, I see what you're saying. I misheard you. I thought you
2: were saying no, because
1: good. I thought you were saying that because of that they wouldn't suspect her. I misheard you, but um, no. And it also is saying that like he's buying the mistress expensive jewelry too, like at the mm-hmm. beginning. So it's like, and I like I guess I can understand where the assumption comes from because obviously people are more likely to like be interested if they know that the person they're like with has is more established in life, and I get that especially from an adult perspective. But like. That's obviously not the only thing women look for. And I think that's a really common misconception. Yeah. And no, I think the BAU was founded right before, I think it was before
2: Bundy, right before, as that was happening. But that's probably why bringing it back to the point, law enforcement indicted um, the mistress instead of Taylor Swift, because they were just kind of like, oh, she's materialistic. So obviously she's the killer.
1: Right, because and, like, Taylor's definition supposedly had no motive. Yeah. Supposedly, but... And it's also, like, that's a common misconception about women in general, too, mm. is that they can't be murderers.
2: Yeah, and that's... Yeah.
1: I think the only case recently that I've heard of, I know that there are hundreds more that I've, like, but that I've really studied is the Jodi Arias case, because it's also local. mm I've um, never heard of it The Jody the Aria's case was this woman um, Had been broken up with by her boyfriend And so she would like Sit outside his like house and like watch him And make sure he wasn't having other girls over And like he told her to go away But like she would still do it So one day she like showed up there But she had been watching him hmm. Like all day long and he like let her in They had sex And then he said Okay I'm gonna shower And like, hope please like let yourself out, like when I'm done. And so she, while he was in the shower, came up behind him and like said that she was gonna do like something sexy. Mm. And she stabbed him 30 times.
2: Oh wow. That's pretty sexy. No kidding.
1: (laughs) So happiness? Yeah. Okay. Uh I was confused. I'm just looking at my notes, but, um, this kind of goes along with me for, or with Tolerate It, and I have a bunch of notes on this song. I think it's the longest second to, actually, no, I think it might be longer, but it's just a bunch of lyrics. But it goes along with Tolerate It because it's, like, post her breaking out of this relationship that makes her unhappy. Like, the first line of the song is, like, honey, when I'm above the trees, I see this for what it is. Which implies what we were saying with tolerated about having rose-colored glasses on, because like when you're in the thick of a situation, you're obviously not seeing how terrible it is, mm. and then when you finally are, like asleep or alone with your thoughts, or you finally removed yourself from that situation, you see what it was looking back, as opposed to what you saw it as when you were in it. Mm. So just from that first line, you know, like she's trying to get out of a toxic relationship. But she's saying that she showed this person all of her hiding spots and there's nowhere left for her to go and hide her emotions. And now she has to face everything that she has been dealing with all this time and all of the parts of herself that she's lost. Because I know I talked about this in our last episode, but when you're in a toxic relationship, you tend to lose parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so this song is her dealing with that. And the chorus repeatedly says, there'll be happiness after you, but there was also happiness because of you. And it's acknowledging that those relationships at one point did make you happy because you got with this person for a reason. You didn't get with someone who to you seemed like a toxic, horrible
0: human being. You got today is nonstop and suddenly your checking account is overdrawn. But what if we gave you more time on that one? At Huntington, if you accidentally overdraw your account by $50 or less, we've put a $50 safety zone in place, so you won't be charged an overdraft fee. It's one more way we're looking out for you, so you can have time for what matters most. Huntington, welcome. $50 safety zone does not apply to returned items. Your account will be automatically closed if it remains negative for 60 days. Learn more at Huntington.com slash safety zone.
1: With someone who you thought you could trust and then they turned out to be toxic. So it's like acknowledging that this person made you happy, but like that they can't always. And there's a part in the song, I'm going to skip around a little bit, but there's a part in the song where she says, I can't make the pain go away by making you a villain. And I think that that's important to acknowledge is that this entire song is saying basically like, I will get over you, but I have to acknowledge that you at one point did make me happy and I release you, but I can't forgive you, at least not right now. She also says, I can't face reinvention because I haven't met the new me yet. And it's just, that's something that I think so many girls deal with. And that's why I love this song is because after you go through a painful breakup, your task or anyone's task is to kind of look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, what did I learn? And who do I want to become because of this? But people think that's easy and taylor swift is saying like no that takes time and i know you're hoping that i'm going to forgive you but i'm not ready to maybe the new maybe the new me will cuz it says tell me what what to give now after everything and you want the green light of forgiveness hmm. she's saying that currently because she hasn't given herself the time to grieve this person and kind of heal and find herself again she can't forgive them because How could she after all this pain? She says at one point that no one teaches you what to do when a good man hurts you and when you hurt him too. So there's probably been mutual pain in the relationship because despite popular belief, in all toxic relationships comes a point where both of you are doing wrong. Because when one person starts to behave in a toxic way, so does the other person. Maybe not to the same degree, but it's like you're trying to match that behavior in order to feel validated by that person not always on purpose but I think this song does really well and it's very quiet and very haunting almost because she's just trying to process her emotions and she says that she's haunted and looking haunted in the night by the look in the eye, look in her eyes that would have loved her loved the person for a lifetime like she's saying that had she not gotten out of this toxic situation had she not pulled herself out or gotten pulled out she would be stuck there forever because You never stop loving a person, at least is what I believe. Like, if you really loved a person, you'll never stop loving them. You'll grow out of that love, but you will not, you'll never completely lose that feeling. So it's like getting out of that is important to acknowledge and acknowledging that you can kind of morph and change and come into this new human being that is better than the one that, that was in that relationship is possible. And she says that the new her will forgive this person, but it's not going to happen yet.
2: I think you covered everything. Yeah,
1: there's one thing I was trying, I'm trying to find the one line that I really like
2: too. Was it's it the like one when, about the pillowcase and acid rain? Yes. But now my eyes now leave. my
1: eyes leak acid rain on the pillow where you used to lay your head and I think before that it says, when did your smile start to look like a smirk? Mm, yeah. So it's like she's almost poisoned by this person's audacity. And I know that might be the wrong word, but it's like this person has the audacity to make her feel less than and it hurts her. And it just like intolerate it when she's saying, like, if I took this knife in me and removed it, believe me, I could do it. Like, and she thinks she takes the j takes like the... um condescending jokes all in good fun I know that's not the right words but it's the same thing where intolerated she's understanding that like this person is toxic and terrible and hurtful to her but now when she cries herself to sleep missing that person it's almost like acid rain erasing where they used to sleep next to her so she knows that they need to be gone and I think the acid provides the nice imagery of toxicity because obviously acid is not good For anyone. And I think that that's the perfect thing to exemplify. Like, you were that toxic that at this point it's pouring out of me and it's going to where you used to sleep. And now you're gone. So I really, really like that. I think that's my favorite line. Thumbs up, dude. Bon appetit.
2: Awkward thumbs up. I was like, I don't know what else. (laughs) But now
1: I like happiness as a song. It's just too long. I'm sorry, Taylor, but five five and a half minutes for a song
2: i thought it was seven by- minutes i'm probably it
1: feels like seven minutes <laughs> <laughs> like it's a very pretty song but it's just oh it's too five minutes. long yeah yeah it's just too long
2: you feel it building and Boom. building too because it i don't know i feel like she just gets more and more powerful and i think that's just a testament of how like she's reinventing yeah. herself
1: and it's like she's currently in a relationship that brings her a lot of joy. So obviously this, this song isn't about Joe or her relationship with him. It's about like something that she's gone through in the past or someone she knows, you know, I think some people or I guess i mean argue this. I haven't seen this theory, but like, I guess I could argue that it's about Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber. Mm. If it's about another person, if it's not something that Taylor has experienced in her personal life, her and Selena Gomez have been good friends for about 10 years maybe a little more cuz they were both they both became friends when they like started dating the Jonas brothers. Yes, I know this information because I was obsessed with the Jonas brothers. However, like she's seen Selena through every up and down of her relationship with Justin Bieber, which again lasted for 9 years on and off. Like it was insane how long this lasted. And obviously she's been very candid in her album Rare if anyone has listened to that about how difficult it was for her to move past that relationship and like i think that this song in a way could be a testament to selena gomez like urging her to acknowledge like or not selena gomez but like taylor urging selena to acknowledge that like there was happiness in this relationship like you stayed in it for 10 years but also there was a point where it became toxic and now you don't have to forgive but you should move on
2: yeah I was trying to look for Lose You to Love Me. I was trying to look for lyrics that talked about reinventing herself. But I think that's a good testament to to your theory. Because she's talking about... I mean, the and...
1: entire song is about... Because it's like... The entire song is I Had to Lose You to Find Me.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's true. So, God, it's...
1: Yeah. And that's... That's actually my cry. That and Tolerated are my cry songs. I can't... I can't listen to Lose You to Love Me if unless I want to ball my eyes out. Mm. So... No, I think... And that's something I came up with on the fly. That's not even in my notes, but I think that's definitely what it could be. It could be, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Because it's something that makes me want to cry. So I'm like, no, if it's not about her, and it's obviously calling me out, it's probably about Justin Bieber. I think it's so important for people who are getting out of relationships like that just to for them to know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Like, no matter what's ending, you're always going to find something better. Like... I know we talked about this in, like, the last episode when I got a little candid about my relationship. But, like, this song very much encapsulates how I felt, like, leaving a Mm -hmm. toxic relationship. And it's, like, been years since, like, I left that relationship. And then there's still healing that Mm -hmm. has to be done. And this song, like, reminds you of that. But also, it was very nostalgic for me because I found the light at the other end of the tunnel.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's like, it proves to you, like, it's just validating for those of us who, who have been through that mm-hmm. to see that, like, you can forgive a person, but it will forever be something that you have to deal with and it's constant and evolving and it's just beautiful. It was just a very long song. So it's very hard to analyze, but I think, no, you did I think it. it it's gorgeous.
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel like we all can, even if it's not romantic
1: Uh. Right, I think we were saying that in our original recording. Like, it doesn't even have to be a romantic relationship. It can be familial, it can be friendship. It's like, there's always going to be some sort of toxic relationship in somebody's life, and the song just teaches you how to deal with that. Yeah. Or, like, reminds you of the fact that, like, you can deal with it. Dorothea, I don't know why it's lower on my notes than Coney Island, but, like, I really like the vibe of Dorothea, but also it wasn't my favorite song because I can't relate to Dorothea because it's very much so about the childhood lover from um
2: Kiss the Damn Season.
1: Tis the Damn Season, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's like how in Kiss the Damn Season they're talking about how like she would love to go back to this person if like they would have asked or like They reminisce about them after moving away into, like, a bigger city, probably getting famous. And now it's from the other person's point of view, so it's not from but it's probably Taylor's point of view now. It's probably from, like, the love interest point of view, because it's, like, basically saying, like, this person's saying, I've got nothing but well wishes left for you. It's never too late to come back to my side. Yeah. And it's, like, this person talks about Dorothea and knows... That that she feels like home, and like she wants them back. But like at the same time, this person is nervous that Dorothea isn't herself anymore. And I think I was saying last time that it could very well be the same person that she talks about in "You Belong with Me."
2: Oh, because under the bleachers.
1: Yeah, it says, "Are you the same as you were under the bleachers?" And then it's like she wears short skirts, I wear t-shirts she's your captain and i'm on the bleachers so it's like it could very well be that friend they could have or that love interest and they could have let each other go and now he's kind of singing to her like are you the same like i hope you come back to me but if you don't i know you'll go on with the show Mm -hmm. and it's just very it's not like he's not upset with her for leaving him He's very much so I'm happy for you and I'm really hopeful that you're the same person because I love you and I want you to come home. But if not, I wish you the absolute best in life. Yeah. And it's really refreshing because there's not a lot of love songs like that. It's usually the scorned woman or man or like the sad ballad of like, I wish you would come back to me or... It's never like a well-wishing farewell, and that's what this was.
2: Yeah, and the cutest line from that song is from You I'd Buy Anything because it shows that he's really supportive of her career and that he's not really willing to make her get rid of that to stay with him. And I think that's really refreshing to see because... Even though our generation is starting to get rid of that notion that the woman should stay home and that she can't work um, and take care of the family, there's still little bits and pieces of that rhetoric within our society. So um, that was really sweet for me to hear.
1: Yeah, they're starting, but it's still very much a stereotype Words like a lot of men, especially younger men, too. I don't think it's as much of a problem with older men these days because like, even looking at my dad who was born in the f- late fifties and grew up in like the sixties and seventies, he's very much so like wanting us to be successful mm-hmm. and he's not threatened by like ours or like he says that anyone would be like considered lucky to have someone as successful as us. But like at the same time, there are so many younger guys who have been taught by their fathers. Like you have to take care of the woman. She cannot take care of you. So if any of them see something where it's like, oh, this girl is making more money than me or she's more successful than me or she knows better of like what she's doing with her life than I do, then they're going to run the other way. Yeah. And so I would love that this song is the exact opposite of that, where this person is pretty c- clearly content with their like small town life, mm-hmm. but they just want the best for Dorothea and they're so proud of her, but they want her back. But it's not like they're going to do anything to make her give up her life.
2: Yeah, their supportive hubby. It was very,
1: are. it was very refreshing. But also, like I can't relate to that because it's like it's about it's clearly about like high school sweethearts or like past lovers, and it's like it just wasn't my vibe. I like sad Taylor a little bit more. Mm. Well, not well, not Taylor herself being sad, but like her sadder music, I vibe with it a little bit more.
2: Yeah, I didn't really vibe with them. Um... Uh, Dorothea either because we talked about this in the um, previous episode but just the hey Dorothea I was like no yeah I
1: think that was part of it too it was too chipper for me I was like maybe if it was like a little more toned down and quiet because the whole album is like very kind of mellow and excluded from like long story short and like closure I think <laughs> it's a little more mellow yeah, definitely. so this was just really out of place for me, personally. All right, should but we move on to Coney Island?
2: Yeah, I we we both discussed this, but I originally didn't really like this song too much, and yeah, nor um, did I. And we did say like the national's voice is a little bit—it's um, too rich for me. Yeah, it's a
1: nice voice, but just. It's so rich that it kind of rubs my eardrums the wrong way. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, we did say that his voice was a bit jarring, just because, like, it starts out with Taylor's melodic and gentle voice, and then his is just kind of um, there. And No Shade to the National, I'm sure he's got some great music, but... um, But, like, uh, it
1: just wasn't fitting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But it was a
1: little, yeah, it just broke me out of the music. But I think the storyline between the two was really
2: nice. Yeah, and a lot of people were saying that this was actually how Taylor Swift felt her exes should have treated her during the breakup because she references them several times throughout the song. Like she references Jake um, by saying uh, with a big cake, happy birthday, which he apparently missed her birthday and there was something. Jake Hall.
1: What the fuck did this man do to her?
2: Yeah. And there was something for Calvin Harris because the accident, I think refers to like a skiing accident that he allegedly got into. And the, um, when I got to the podium, I forgot to say your name referenced an award ceremony to where he only gave a shout out to the producer and said that like that year had been a really hard time for for him when which basically implied that like taylor swift was basically behind his like bad mood
1: yeah that was actually my favorite line in the song was um i walked up to the podium the podium and didn't say
2: your name same because i was just like oh god you fucked up dude I was like, the imagery, the imagery. Yeah, like when she was referring to, since it came after, the accident part, I just saw him being really disheveled as he gets up to the podium, kind of like a uh, deer in the headlights. But um, the song is obviously about the aftermath of a breakup, because you have the lines, sorry for not making you my centerfold, and sorry for not winning you an arcade ring. So these lines imply that the protagonist did not center their lives around the relationship and the person left because they felt like they weren't being prioritized. And this is further shown by the line, the question pounds my heart, what's a lifetime of achievement to where the person who experienced the breakup, not the person who started the breakup, um, ended up wondering whether prioritizing their career Um, Was worth the loss of their relationship and you can see the consequences of this relationship dying through the lines over and over lost again with no surprises disappointments close your eyes, and it gets colder and colder. In other words, their relationship is dwindling to the point where the other person isn't really surprised about the broken promises or surprised about their general absence. And that, I think, is the general point to where your relationship truly dies. Because I saw this quote that said, when couples no longer communicate with each other, it basically means that the relationship is dead because one of them has decided that it's it's basically
1: better. It's not even worth fighting. Yeah.
2: Exactly. and since communication is the foundation of all relationships, there's really no reason to keep um, to keep the relationship alive anymore.
1: Right. And I think like that's something so many people go through too. It's like while we didn't relate to the song, it's like something that so many people could relate to too. I yeah. think is like just seeing that in their own relationship where obviously it's about a celebrity couple. I feel like especially if you know like Taylor's history with any of the people that are kind of alluded to in the song. But it's like, you can apply that to your own life where it's like, wow, I felt jaded by these people or like underappreciated. And I think the fact that she was able to write from both perspectives was really probably helpful. It probably provided a lot of people with a lot of closure. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, whether you know it or not, I'm sure, like, the people that you break up with are regretful in some form of how they've treated you, at least eventually. It's, I think it's the sorry for not making you my
2: centerfold might
1: actually be my favorite line.
2: I actually liked the line about the um, arcade ring because it's saying, like, no matter the value of that love, even though the arcade not might not be as fancy as, like, a regular one, um, they were still sorry that they didn't really put in that effort that they should've. Right.
1: Like, you should've put it, like, I should've put in more.
2: Yeah. And, it, and it's good that the character,
1: like, in that song acknowledges that, too. I think it's admirable that she had that feeling shown.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Let's, uh, we can go ahead and move on to, to Ivy.
1: So... I think Ivy is about someone with two love interests and she's kind of stuck in a relationship with one and grieving the other and like grieving the possibility of what could have been between them. Yeah. Because she says she's grieving for the living, and that this person keeps putting roots in in her dreamland and now she's covered in them basically because Ivy is growing from those roots. And it's almost like this she's entrapped by this person and she doesn't know how to how to deal with it essentially. Like she wants to like run away with them and Sorry, I didn't take a lot of notes on this. I'm trying to think of like how to phrase this. I have like phrases written down. You could. Oh, it says like he wants what's only yours. So it's like (laughs) very clear that like she's with someone else, or there's someone else who's looking to be with her. And it's like, but she feels as if she belongs to someone else. And yeah, it's that she says it's like they live and die for the
2: moments that we begged for. It's definitely about infidelity because the woman is in a relationship with her fiancé.
1: It may not even be, like, a physical infidelity either. It could very well be, like, emotional infidelity. Yeah. Where, like, she's met this person and feels... You know what I think of it as? I think of it almost as, like, a Romeo and Juliet type of thing because of Ivy. And it's, like, you know, the Ivy on Juliet's wall, almost. Like, the balcony... And it's Mm -hmm. thinking, like, you're supposed to be with another person, but, like, I only want you. And I think there's there's a line that says, I wish to know the fatal flaw that makes you long to be magnificently cursed. So I think that that means, like, this person is pursuing her and is in love with her despite knowing that she has somebody else and she's probably not going to end up with them and is, like, longing for them anyway. And she would basically die to be with this person. But obviously, like, the stars are aligning for that. And she just kind of wants out of it so that she can
2: make a decision. It's a struggle between commitment to one person, but
0: um, feeling... Loving
2: another. Again, the emotional... Again, as you said, like, the emotional
0: infidelity. Right, and this could be because she says that... Po- this year has reminded us of the importance of saving for the unexpected. And as a bank, our job is to make that a little easier for everyone. That's why at Huntington, we're so proud to introduce Money Scout... It analyzes your checking account to find money that's not being used and moves it to your savings automatically. It's that simple, so you can always be saving, even now. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com MoneyScout. Huntington, welcome. MoneyScout is subject to eligibility, terms and conditions, and other account agreements. Member FDIC. This year has reminded us of the importance of saving for the unexpected. And as a bank, our job is to make that a little easier for everyone.
1: It could very well be, like, a fictional story that she wants to retell and is like, well, okay, this person is committed to one person but is in love with another and there are fatal consequences for that.
2: I thought it was beautiful. And it seems like the guy, too, is, um, like, she gives him an ultimatum um, to where she says, so tell me to run or dare to sit and watch what will become... And drank my husband's wine. So that basically implies that um, her paramour has been invited to the wedding. So he might essentially know the husband.
1: It could even be like, I mean, if you're saying that it's close to the husband, it could even be like a brother if you're that close.
2: Or a man,
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the husband's brother is usually like a groomsman. I don't know where I'm getting brother, but I just have a weird feeling about it. I didn't have a lot lot to say about it because I was like, it took me a few listens to analyze what the heck she was talking about. Yeah, same. I wasn't sure. So it's like, I'm not sure how to articulate it, but like, I thought originally it was about a dead person because Mm -hmm. it's a, she kept saying grieving for the living and like live and die for the moments that we begged for and. I thought that she was mourning this person who had already passed and she was betrothed to someone else but she just wants out because she's dreaming of this person and kind of like she's with them in all of her dreams and she just wants to be happy but she's stuck on earth with this person and and the love of her life is essentially watching her from a distance.
2: It could be but I think what sort of you would have to explain is the line of, um, so tell me to l- run or dare to sit and watch what will become and drink my husband's wine, which implies that he's still there. But I think that's all we wanted to say about Ivy. Yeah,
1: there wasn't much I had about Ivy because it was, again, like a longer song. So I like tuned out of it a little bit mm-hmm. as opposed to like long story short, which I'm excited to get to. But I know you have a very deep Gay cowboy analysis for cowboy like me.
2: <laughs> Which I'm, I'm yes, so excited I to actually, for a second time. I'm so excited. I've fleshed it out more. But I was going to mention how people were saying that Ivy could be a lesbian relationship to where um, the protagonist falls in love with another woman, but they feel conflicted because um, they're quote unquote supposed to marry a man. I could
1: see that. I like, Yeah. And Ivy could be a name. Yeah. Ooh, it could be like, she could be using it as a metaphor to cover up a name.
2: A double meaning. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That would be actually, that would actually be really cool if you did Ivy and then, um, well, it's not Marjorie and then cowboy like me. And then had there's like a reason that they're back to back. Yeah. I was listening to Ivy Again. a little bit before, but like, you know, this entire album, like, if we need to talk about the way Taylor Swift has been a gay icon for the past year or so, I'm down.
2: See, I hesitate to call Taylor Swift a gay icon because well, I first of all, I don't know if she's um, if she's not straight, but um, I think now that we have like more gay people within the industry, I feel like they're more deserving of the title, so we should move from calling straight people like gay icons.
1: Yes, there's a guy who I would love to call a gay icon, and I can't remember his name. So like I'm not I'm not gonna go into that, but I can't remember. There was a guy I saw on no, not Andy Cohen. Fuck Andy Cohen. Not a gay icon. I have no idea who that is. I can't remember who it. Is. Uh, Anderson Cooper in a way is an, a gay icon mm. because I love him because he um you know with his uh, Donald Trump analysis of you know being an obese turtle flailing on his back in the hot sun. That's my favorite thing Anderson Cooper has ever said. And the <laughs> and the story. And that's it. Like he deserves everything. Yeah um i was thinking no what what were you saying freddie mercury yes yes end of story definitely yes that's no contest ever exactly oh my. well God. david bowie maybe but no freddie mercury wins i will
2: i love that man i will
1: campaign for freddie mercury to be recognized as the gay icon
2: same oh my it's God. so sad that that's we're getting we're off topic I was gonna go into something else, but speaking of gay, <laughs> <laughs> Cowboy Like Me. Speaking of
1: gay,
2: gay cowboys. <laughs> gay cowboys, man.
1: Yee. <laughs> Hit me. Let's go.
2: So, I have several reasons as to why I believe Cowboy Like Me is gay. And the first one is the simple fact that the phrase cowboy like me is used, which basically implies that the protagonist is male and that their lover is as well. Yeah. So they could have used cowgirl too. Exactly. Or like cow people. I don't know what the term is. for. Well, it's
1: like, if you're, going the off of like the old, if you're going off of like the old principle of like when cowboys were a huge thing, then like technically back then they would only use the two. So it's like, if yeah. that's what they're alluding to, like, if they're alluding to literal cowboys, then like, yeah, well then cowboy, cowgirl, cow people, but like, they're using cowboy.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Um, and my other reason is that there are several other context clues as well that point towards this conclusion. And um, I kind of wanted to give like a brief like history about cowboys that sort of like helped with this assumption so like most of my research does come from this historian by the name of um, michael leons lyons something like that um i'm sorry i butchered his name but like what he said is that typically cowboy spaces particularly during the 1949 gold rush of california were male dominated because women were excluded from physical labor like mining ranching and hunting And because of this, men would often house together um, and take up work that was traditionally left to women, like cooking, cleaning, and laundry and things like that. And the majority of these communities were also Chinese, Latino, and African, which I wanted to point out because... um, the media loves to whitewash the hell out of um, history. Right. Like but it's
1: also like, if they're doing um, manual labor, if you think about it, it makes sense for in real life for them to be of different race. Because they would have never had the white men doing that work. True, and, true. But like, of course, in Hollywood back in like the 50s, 60s, 70s, when they were making a lot of cowboy movies, they wouldn't have dared cast a a cast of color. Yeah. So.
2: Which is shit absolute garbage but
1: right I uh, no hollywood um, standards are absolutely trash
2: they are trash
1: well i want to do a but, whole episode on that but so that's not a topic
2: for today but like no you're good i think we should do one about like representation and things like that yeah i will go off it is a really important
1: me and my film knowledge will start shrieking but no continue with gay gay cowboys please
2: okay because i kind of uh, cut you off no you're good it was an interesting conversation but um, I also read that um, cowboys would often express, like, same-sex affection when they danced with each other. Like, one would wear a patch over their crotch to signify, like, the feminine role, and then you'd have, like, the masculine role and things like that. So, given this history, I think it makes sense that Cowboy Like Me would be gay and... Um, you can sort of see that within the lyrics as well. Um, It starts off and you asked me to dance, but I said dancing is a dangerous game. And that could be like, again, the way to show um, same sex attraction. But in this case, I wanted to focus on the words dangerous game because dangerous game can imply that the narrator exists within a homophobic society. So by dancing with this other protagonist, he doesn't want to, um, risk imprisonment or um, being ostracized or being killed just for dancing with each other and it could also mean that the protagonist doesn't want to dance with this guy because he's afraid of falling for him which he later states like never wanted love just a fancy car and another line is um we could be the way forward and i know i'll pay for it and A lot of people interpreted this line as the protagonist spending their money for the relationship because it is about um, con artists and things like that. Or the protagonist would end up getting hurt in the end. And I don't really believe that that's the case because the narrator states, with your boots beneath my bed, forever is the sweetest con. So obviously they're going to spend the rest of their lives together until they die. So forever is the sweetest con means that... um, Even though they claim that they're going to be together forever, forever is still a con because, you know, they're going to end up dying and everything like that. But because I don't believe that that line is referring to like the end of their relationship, I believe um, it's talking about how same sex couples were would start to be normalized And that's kind of what WayForward is referring to is that um, it's going past the homophobia of that society to sort of show like there's nothing unnatural or sinful about their relationship. Whereas pay for it in this context would mean that the protagonist is willing to defend his relationship against homophobia, even if it means that he's going to face punishment for it. And then you have the line now you hang from my lips like the gardens of babylon and i didn't understand what this line meant when i initially was reading through it so i i'm going to take this annotation from genius because i think it describes it pretty well and it says following the conquering of prominent middle eastern land the king at the time crafted the wonder of Babylon mainly as a way to please his beloved wife who missed the greenery and the landscapes of her homeland. The city boasted prominent architectural feats in a lavish environment in which artists, gardeners, and other citizens could thrive. Taylor's specific allusion to the hanging gardens conjures an image of a less yet fragile and uncertain romance as the hanging gardens not only no longer exist, but often are claimed to have never previously existed in the first place. And I It could mean that their relationship is uncertain, but again, we do know that they end up together because of the line with your boots beneath my bed forever is the sweetest con. So to me, the line could refer to the fact that um, it's same sex eraser, which is basically where like the teachings of history completely ignore queer relationships in order to fit the heteronormative narrative, essentially. And for as we discussed for cowboys in particular, you can see that in the way that TV portrays them. They're often like hyper-masculine white characters that frequent brothels have their own blade with lovers and refuse to live outside of a traditional standpoint. So in either case, um, the gardens of Babylon sort of make that allusion to the fact that their relationship could end up um, getting erased, but the protagonist still thinks of it as um, like beautiful and still thinks of it as this like lush and growing love and of course there are different ways to interpret this song but because that eraser exists within history I thought it would have been much more meaningful to me to reclaim the history of cowboys from that um, heteronormative narrative essentially and whitewashed narrative as well.
1: I mean, I think you have me convinced. That it's about gay cowboys. Because, like...
2: Gay cowboys.
1: I think that the... Like, just the history behind it that you're saying... Like, I said, I didn't listen to this song very much because I just didn't vibe with the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. just the opening of it, I was like, hey, I don't feel the need to listen to this. So I was just like... I'm not, like, well-versed in cowboy like me, but just the history that you're explaining behind it, it does make sense because, like... Again, these are tales that like she has come up with or has heard or has read somewhere and she's trying to tell through song. So it's, I think it's mm-hmm. very likely that she's seen this research or like, that she's done this research or somebody has done this research in her life and she wants to tell that story. So I think that's really likely that like... I
2: think so too.
1: She wants to shed light on it, especially like I know it's unrelated, but after she released me with Brendan Urie, like you, you need mm-hmm. to calm—no, not me. Sorry, you need to calm down. When she did, you need to calm down, like to be inclusive of the uh, LGBTQ community. I think. I think yeah. after that, like I think she's just trying to find more ways to be inclusive. Because I remember some people saying that Betty might have been about a uh, lesbian relationship. Or like an affair, like a like a lesbian affair. And I don't know how much stock I put into mm-hmm. because I haven't researched it. But I think it's definitely possible. So I think she's just she's trying to be more inclusive in her music, so it's definitely possible that
2: it's about gay cowboys. But didn't she say that Betty was about James and from James's point of view? Yes,
1: but I think I think it was alluded to not that I think Betty like as a character was bisexual is what people were saying.
2: Oh. Yes.
1: okay. Not okay. the song, but, like, the character of Betty, because I forget what other song it is on folklore. But I think Cardigan is one.
2: Yeah, that song's from Betty's perspective.
1: And then I think the other one was either Illicit Affairs or another one.
2: Oh, I think you have the floor, because I think I've done with Cowboy Like Me.
1: Okay, I'm gonna, I've been standing up this whole time, like, pacing, just because I've been sitting for a while, so I'm gonna sit down for this. Um. Uh-huh. This song, like, long story short, was very upbeat and happy for me. Like, she is talking about trauma. She's still very much so talking about, like, the trauma she went through with some guy, But, like, also finding another one afterwards. Like, finding new love. And I think this song is very much so about Joe. And, and yeah. I think we talked about this, like, last time. And I'm going to go into off into a whole tangent about how I relate. Because, like, I talked about a toxic relationship. Now I'm going to talk about a good one. So I think it's only fair. But um, first of all, it's like, I think it's very much so about Joe because like she's saying she fell from the pedestal right down the rabbit hole. And it's like, I think she feels like certain relationships in her past almost idolized her and then knocked her down and were making her feel like, oh, I was supposed to be happy, but now I'm like floundering in the wind. And long story short, it was the wrong guy. And then, fuck, mm. I almost dropped my phone. <laughs> but uh now I'm all about you. And she's just, like, talking about how happy she is to have met this person. And I think this is, like, the aftermath of, like, tolerate it and happiness. And, like, she's finally found herself and she's thriving and doing well. Mm. Because, like, she's saying, like, I'm all about you. And, like, it says, basically, if somebody comes at us, I'm ready, like, she says no more score I just keep you warm like like she's saying essentially she kept score in her other relationships like oh you wanted this thing so now I'm gonna go do this thing and maybe that'll outdo you which isn't how a relationship is supposed to be so she's saying like this relationship which is probably her one with Joe is probably making her feel the best and most secure and I love that like it was just it was the most upbeat and happy thing like Just it's the one song on the album that makes you want to like turn on, turn it on in the morning and like dance around if you're into that. Like she says, she always feels like she must look better in the rear view because they're missing her like a gate that they must have held the keys to. So it's current. It's like pretty obvious that currently the people that she was previously with want her back or like are looking at her and being like, wow, this person's thriving and I love them. And then there's like Mm -hmm. she has Joe. And she's good now. And it's like, I love this song because it's so upbeat and happy, but also because, like, I've personally experienced that before. It's like, you always look better in the rear view to the people who don't give a rat's ass Mm -hmm. about you at all. And so I think that's, like, a slap in the face, again, for so many people who are listening to this album and who are like, wow, I'm dealing with the same goddamn thing, but then I found this other person who makes me feel good about myself and happy and like I don't have to compete and like not to get super mushy but that's the best feeling in the world is like finding someone who makes the tolerated guy look like a piece of garbage (laughs) and like you know what I mean? like Just
0: the fact where it's
1: like and she's saying like I'm all about you but it's not in an unhealthy way and that's such a great feeling to feel is like you're all about this person, as in you're all about making them happy, and you're like, they're the only person that matters to you. And it says, like, my waves will fill your shore evermore. So it's like, now that she's met this person, that's where she wants to stay, that's who she's going to protect, and like, at the end of the day, the toxicity and the people that are looking at her in the rear view, and who pushed her down that rabbit hole no longer matter. Because she's got this person, and she's happy and content. And it's like, it exhibits almost more so than ever more for me, and also almost more so than closure, like which I'll get to. It exhibits for me moving on more than any any other track on the album because it's like that celebratory phase of moving on, where it's like truly, like from experience, that phase never ends mm. because you're like, especially when you have someone that makes you that happy, you're just like, wow, I want it, life, and I'm doing well, and I'm thriving, and. Like, I'm lucky to have this person. And I think that's very much the vibe that she's exuding here.
2: Oh, that's so cute.
1: <laughs> I'm just like, no, this song makes me happy. And, like, I could go, go yeah. on a whole boyfriend-related tangent. I shall not. Nobody needs to listen to that. Not it. today. It's okay. We'll, okay. we'll have him on, and then, we'll, then I'll go on the tangent. But uh do you want to go into Marjorie? Because oh, you had book. some stuff about marjorie before
2: so marjorie is about taylor swift's grandmother who was an opera singer that kind of helped taylor swift like pursue her dreams of music and it's a very beautiful way to immortalize her grandmother first of all and it's also just a relatable song in general about loss and mourning Um, And the bridge in particular is my favorite part of the song because the beginning is more so advice, I believe, that like Marjorie gave to her. But it starts with the bridge. It starts with the autumn chill that wakes me up. You love the amber sky so much. Long limbs and frozen swims. You'd always go past where our feet could touch. So you can tell in these lines that Taylor Swift is saying that her grandmother... Is still alive, even though she passed away, and that um, she's sort of immortalized in the things that she loves, particularly like the autumn air, the amber skies, and the frozen swims. And I think we as humans attach like certain passions to the people that we know. Like when I hear like male K-pop groups, I'll think about my sister, or if I'll see like a particular video game, I'll think about my brother. And those associations that we have for people just tend to like live on to when they die. So when you see those objects, you sort of associate it with that person and you use it to sort of feel closer to them because they're still alive in that aspect. And I also liked the relatability of the lyrics as well. Um, Again, continuing with the bridge and I complained the whole way there, the car ride back and up the stairs. I should have asked you questions. I should have asked you how to be... Actually, to write it down for me, should have kept every grocery store receipt because every scrap of you would be taken from me. And those looks hit like really hard because once people die, you realize that you could have spent so much more time with them that you could have absorbed all of their knowledge and time and advice, but you never really realize that until it's too late. And I feel like a lot of people, especially in like 2020, um, can sort of relate to this song as well just because how much loss that we've had with covid and everything oh yeah
1: like i think that was why she chose to write the song now because i don't know when marjorie Mm. um
2: died um she passed away in 2003
1: okay so it's been a long time but i think that's why she chose to write this song now Mm. if she hasn't had it for years already Ours, yeah. that's why she chose to release it now because it
2: we're always driving to dance lessons so we signed up for know your drive we save money and get closer to her dancing dreams
1: the daring young man on the flying trapeze
2: or maybe her singing dreams sign up for
0: know your drive and save up to 20 percent. american family insurance insure carefully
3: dream fearlessly Products not available in every state. Discount terms apply. Visit AmFam.com slash drive for details. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6,000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. It's just,
1: she's really seeing it in the thick of a global pandemic where like this country has gone through, what is it, nearly 300,000 dead at this point. Yeah. And there are so many yeah. people who are going through that, the same feeling that she felt when she lost Marjorie and like now those feelings are really being spoken in a way that some people don't know how to put to words.
2: Yeah. And I think it's really comforting too, to hear like what died and stated, what died and stated you're alive because it's sort of telling like her listeners that um, the people that they lost are still there all around them. And again, it's like a really beautiful way for her to immortalize her grandmother because she says all your closets of backlog dreams and how you left them all to me. So Taylor Swift is not only accomplishing what her grandmother wanted, but she's also sort of um, accomplishing her grandmother's dreams as well, because she includes her grandmother's vocals within um, her song. And I'll include a clip of where that actually occurs uh, right here.
3: I know better, I you to me
1: now.
2: But it's almost like Marjorie is able to achieve her dreams by being included in a popular track. And so it seems almost like it's like a satisfying ending to the saga of her life.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I was actually watching a video on that, like a brief video on that, like before. And I think it came up by mistake on mm-hmm. my like for you page on TikTok or something. And um, it was basically like her talking about how Marjorie's vocals are in the she how it was like oh it was funny that like she ended up singing with me on this song and the, the interview and yeah. the interviewer was like okay but how did that happen and it goes and she goes well my mom found the vocals and we put them in the back of the in the back Aww. of the song because we wanted to do that for her
2: oh that's so sweet
1: i love that. i do too she was like It was. She was just so happy about having done it too, you know? Like, she just looked so proud.
2: Yeah, well, she probably feels like her grandma's looking down and just, like, smiling and vibing to the song or something like that and just being like, I'm included and millions of people have heard my voice now, you know? Right, because
1: that was always something she wanted. She wanted to be, like, she was an opera singer and I'm sure she wanted to release her own um, music. And so I'm sure that was really helpful to her. Or that's yes. helpful to her, but I'm sure it was. Really, it's really special to her if she can hear it, you know?
2: Yeah. And this is totally off track, but Bonnie Bear's vocals, too. Oh. Mwah. Chef's Kiss. Yes. I just love that song in general.
1: No, it's a beautiful... It made me cry. So I, that's also one that I don't listen to very often.
2: Yeah. It, it crumbles me.
1: I remember <laughs> the first time I, like, sat and listened to it, I was like, I just had to sit there for a few minutes because I was like, I'm hurting. Yes. it made me think of my mom. And, like, my mom is alive mm. and well. But I was, like, that's the number one person where I don't think I could stand it. You know?
2: Same here. Same here, yeah. So, it was, like,
1: it just made me think I of that. Know. It was, like, because it, it just seemed to me, like, the way that she wrote this song, like, that that loss was. Because I'm thinking back on Taylor's age. She was probably probably 13 or 14, By the time Marjorie passed, so she had her around for a good chunk of her life. So she knew her well. You know what I mean? It wasn't like she died when she was
2: little. And there's videos of Taylor, like, sitting with Marjorie and um, just younger Taylor, like, interacting with her grandma. And one scene that comes to mind for me is the one where Taylor Swift is basically, like, smashing the piano keys and her grandma's just kind of, like, smiling.
1: Like,
2: hey, look at her, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, look at her
1: go. Yeah, I haven't seen that, actually. I want to see that now.
2: Yeah, it's a very beautiful clip because you can see all the things that Marjorie did in her life, and you see, like, newspaper clips of what she did and just see her living her life. And from what I saw, like, she honestly just seemed like such a great woman
1: yeah like of course like this song was a great way to utilize you yeah, eulogize her all yeah. these years later and i think it was just yeah. kind of the testament of like look grandma i made it yeah <laughs> oh. oh god i'm gonna get emotional over
2: this okay all right closure let's just oh jesus christ are you okay yes
1: closure i have a bone to pick with closure, it's not a large one, but it's a bone. It's and it's going to be very brief because the song itself is very repetitive, and it's basically. Go- I think it goes back, to, and I'm going to keep referencing "tolerate" it because that song is like everything to me. It's going <laughs> back to that guy. It's like it's like that guy is apologizing. I'm going to say it's a guy. I know in the first recording that we did, I was kind of like, okay, we don't know who it was. Maybe it was guy. Maybe it was they. Maybe it was a she. We don't know. Um, but like no, I'm going to say it's a guy because. No offense to men. No offense to men. Actually, but actually, at the same time, all offense to men. You are all dumb. Therefore, this is about a man. And basically, this man is trying to apologize. And he said...
2: We've, uh, we've been calling out men this entire listen, time. all
1: Taylor Swift stand, stands do is call out men. All of them. Hmm. So, basically, this person sent her a letter, and it's basically an apology letter and, like, a letter that's, like, expressing, like, we should have closure, we should move on, or, like, maybe we could be friends, or whatever it is, whatever the hell you say in a closure letter. That's what's happening. Mm -hmm. And, like, basically, she's saying, yes, I got your letter, yes, I'm doing better. Like, you, you like she's saying, yes, that's happening, yes, this is going on, but it's clear she's not gonna answer. She did not feel like it because she doesn't need that closure, mm. and it's and she even says it's being it's been forever, but seeing this shape of your name still spells bleh, seeing the shape of your name still spells out pain, so it's like this person mm. really must have did a number on her, and so. It's just basically her saying that she's closing out a chapter and choosing the happiness in her life. And it's meant to, I feel like it's meant to be sad because obviously closure can be a very difficult thing for some people. But it's so uplifting because it says she's fine with her spite and she can feel this person smoothing her over. But it's, she's spiteful almost. And she's just like, you're not genuinely sorry. You just want to come out in a positive light and I don't care because I'm doing fine. And I love it. It's very, it's too repetitive for me, and, like the back, the undertone, like the beat underneath the lyrics, kind of annoys me.
2: Yeah, I didn't like closure too much.
1: The lyrics are really good, but like, yeah, just the underneath, like the beat, I wasn't a fan of. Yeah, there was just something off,
2: weird. Something it boring. didn't match.
1: I don't know what what they could have done no. differently, but like, it just didn't match with like the tone of the song. Yeah. I like the pacing, but like I, I don't know what they could have done differently with the beats. I liked it better than Evermore just cause Taylor and Duets, I know I've mentioned this before, bothers me, so I did like it better than Evermore. No Taylor and it's nothing <laughs> against Bony Bear. Like he has a lovely voice. Yeah. But and it's yeah, it's nothing like the national. Like I actually want to listen to Bony Bear. But it's like I I love that man. If I have to pick Closure or Evermore, I'm gonna pick Closure because Like, it's, again, a more relatable thing to me.
2: Yeah, I get that. It's a matter
1: of relatability for me. But no, there's, like, not much to say about it because it's the same lyrics. It's, like, basically saying, like, you put me through so much pain and now I'm done with you. And I feel so much better about it. Do you want to
2: have the floor for Evermore? Sure. So Evermore is the epitome of healing from... relationship. And to sort of understand it, you have to dive into the lyrics mostly and analyze them because it goes from point A to point B really smoothly. So verse one starts with the lines, Gray November, I've been down since July. Motion capture put me in a bad light. I replay my footsteps on each stepping stone, trying to find the one where I went wrong. So in this case, the protagonist has been down for about five months and Through this extended metaphor film, you see her, like, replaying the relationship to try to figure out where, how, and why the relationship ended as it did. And honestly, that's really relatable to me because I haven't ended a romantic relationship before, but I've had long-term friendships that ended terribly. And so, at the beginning of that loss, you're just at the stage where you're trying to figure out, like what happened to get it to be like that
1: yeah like what what was the last thing i did
2: that like set this person off and then you have the lines writing letters addressed to the fire so you're trying to reach out to this person to establish contact but you never do because you know nothing will come out of it and that according to the song and according to my experiences sort of leaves you in a lot of pain And you have the line that says, I had a feeling so peculiar that this pain would be forevermore. So you think that, like, you're not going to be able to get out of this pain because they were really meaningful to you. And so the protagonist continues to speak in this extended metaphor of film, which I love it when I love it when I guess poets in general do that when they continue to expand upon their metaphors. But she says, Hey, December, guess I'm feeling unmoored. Can't remember what I used to fight for. I rewind the tape, but all it does is pause on the very moment all was lost, sending signals to be double-crossed. So in this verse, it's been a month, and she's starting to lose touch with reality. And I think the line, particularly unmoored and can't remember what I used to fight for, is referencing the fact to where when you're in a relationship, you kind of develop your intention identity around that person and around the relationship in general so when that person leaves you you almost feel like you've lost your purpose along with the relationship itself and you also have the metaphor as i mentioned um that says i rewind the tape but all it does is pause on the very moment all was lost so you figured out what went wrong and you're just like fixated on it so much so that you can't rewind that tape and you can't go back to the earlier memories and sort of remember the happier bits of it you're just stuck on thinking about how it ended and things like that and then you have sending signals to be double crossed which um from my interpretation um i see it as you're checking up on that person or you're trying to reach out to that person whether it's through like mutual friends or social media and you don't like the response that you see so maybe you know, you see that they've moved on and that they're no longer in pain and you're just kind of like, why are, why are you healing and I'm still feeling this way? And after the second verse, you get to the chorus where you have that really sexy tone switch from Taylor to Justin. And Justin basically repeats everything that Taylor Swift has already described, but he again provides this metaphor of a ship. He says, like, whether whether it be the frost or the violence of the dog days, I'm on waves being tossed. Is there a line that I could just go cross?" So again, he's trying to reach out and he's trying to compromise, but he's in that same position to where he feels like he can't.
1: Yeah, Yeah, like he can't reach out or he can't, like, fix anything. It's just done.
2: Yeah. This verse that he, that Justin has repeats um, in contrast with Taylor's to where The shipwrecked so they're both at like the peak of their pain and both of them are in like this disjointed version of communication because neither of them are singing together like taylor singing first and then justin's following her with each line and it's likely because it's likely to represent the fact that they're not reaching out to each other and that they're not like communicating their feelings but eventually they sing the last bit of the course together which includes the line and i couldn't be sure i had a feeling so peculiar this pain wouldn't be forevermore so they're both finally on the same page and they've both finally healed and moved on from this loss yeah,
1: and i would agree with that
2: bon- bonnie there yeah he showed up on both albums he really he said, did. i'm gonna give you my entire range by giving you the lower vocals on Exile and the higher ones Because on
1: it's the clearly line. the and, same as, like, ex- it's clearly, like, a follow-up to Exile. Yeah. It's, like, clearly, it's, like, goes from the initial breakup in Exile to, like, their healing process in Evermore. Yeah,
2: anger to sadness to healing. Right. Because Exile was very... Exile was
1: very, like... Sort of angry and bitter. Yeah. Exile was very much, like probably happening right before the breakup, or, like, right after the breakup, or not before the breakup, but, like, right, like, as it was happening, where I, Exile yeah. is, like, probably, like, okay, Exile is probably, like, in July, and Evermore picks up in November. Yeah. I acknowledged that, that, like, it was good for them to have both sides, just like in Coney Island, both sides of the breakup, both sides of the healing process, because a lot of the time, when you're healing from, like, losing a person, no matter who it is, you think that they're fine while you're suffering. Yeah. And that's obviously exactly. not the case. Like, it's a loss for this person, too.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't even matter who ended it Yeah, like, like,
1: it's a loss um, for both people. Yeah. So I think it did a really good job of mastering that and, like, both of their narratives and, like, how they see it, like, almost the same way, but they're both just wondering, like... How do I fix it or can I even? And then, as you say, at a certain point, it just stops and they're like, well, it happened. And they're kind of festering in the wound of it. And then they finally realize that, oh, there can be healing from this.
2: Yeah. And it's very much so, it gives me like happiness vibes because that theme was pretty similar to happiness of bringing out the new me, like you haven't seen the new me yet.
1: Um, If you look, if you think about it, like those two could be very connected
2: they could and one of them could have happened like before or after or maybe they're both like feelings of healing one of his happiness is kind of almost yeah happiness is
1: like the realization that you need to heal whereas evermore is Mm. the healing process
2: yeah as you said festering and
1: yeah for sure no there was definitely a lot of festering in evermore
2: And then there's long story short where you're like, I've healed and I'm in a new relationship. Yeah, it's
1: like, I think that the whole Evermore album details a whole relationship, but, like, at different Mm. stages. And it's not chronological.
2: And it's different personalities, Yeah, and it could be
1: dealing with several relationships, like, almost like a storybook. But, like, Mm. they all have the same theme. Yeah. So, I think like Evermore and Closure were the nice little bows that like you tie it together,
2: yeah, I love that they ended with with evermore. It's interesting. It's interesting appealing.
1: because folklore ends with hoax as its closing album, like it's closing song mm-hmm. and Exiles in the middle. So, I think it's interesting that hoax like ends the album because it's like even just the title difference. It's like you feel jaded and lied to by the end of folklore. And you feel more mm. heartbroken whereas by evermore. You by the end of evermore, you feel healed. So like that's inter- that's an interesting contrast, and I think it really like encapsulates the whole sister record concept because it's like because
2: mm. once yeah, one the is other.
1: closing out them both. Mm. So that's something I liked too.
2: <sighs> okay. We yes, should Probably we should, end this. Year. It's
1: midnight almost for me. Yeah. Yeah. So. I hope you guys enjoyed our analysis. We will catch you next week. So, yeah,
2: Um, if you had uh, different interpretations, go ahead and send us send us a DM DM to uh, on at Files or follow us
1: at Sabrina Canoon or Silhouette. silhouette.
2: So, with that,
1: get the fuck out. (laughs)
2: Leave.
1: Go now. Bye, i love oh, megan, megan the, stallion. the stallion i would, I would die for no her. of course megan the stallion is a queen she's got some balls
2: she does she's my version of empowerment just like the i know this is, this is
1: like one of her more popular ones but girls in the hood
2: oh i love just that imme- song. there's immediate power in girls in the hood there is just like that the opening too just like a good i'm a bad bitch like
1: yes yes
2: you are and that's like
1: a big tiktok song too
2: yeah that's why i'm like
1: okay i know it's like one of the more popular ones but it's truly one of my favorites because of the fact that like she's so
2: empowering so i'll be on the trip and like run to it like yeah i'm a whore literally (laughs) which isn't the the case at all (laughs) yes the virgin whore is that my new title now
1: (laughs) we're gonna do a podcast episode
2: the virgin whore <laughs> I know, it'll just be you. <laughs> I need mean, oh, that'll be my like solo segment whenever uh you're oh too God, busy throwing so like,
1: color. It'll just be can like we have code names yes. for when we do individual episodes. You'll be the virgin, okay, yeah. And I'll just be,
2: I don't know, Queen Petty. You're Queen Petty oh, in my Queen phone.
1: Petty. I'm excited. Thank you. I feel honored.
2: You're welcome. I have dubbed the. We Eddie. I feel honored. That makes me serve Virgin Whore so oh, I can be Virgin Whore. Oh
1: my God. I'm down for that.
0: Configuring the Bluetooth. Deciding who controls the music. Avoiding potholes. Remembering where you parked. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with Auto Owners Insurance, getting the right coverage for your vehicle doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who live in your community and answer when you call so you can get back to more important things. Like remembering if you're on the third or fourth level of the parking garage. That's simple human sense. Ask your independent agent if auto owners make sense for you.
3: Hey guys, I'm Serafina and thanks for listening to SGP Radio. Stream our podcast and more across SGP radio platforms, including the Brandon Gerald Productions app for iOS and Android. Or you can visit www.bgplcapp.com. Stream, download, listen, like, share, subscribe, repost. Binge and enjoy this podcast and so much others, like Not Your Token Black Girl, Working Gals Guide, Black Girls Storytime, Juice Pro Wrestling, Black Guy Wrestling, and Podcasts About Nothing. We have so much more on our stations. Tell it for her, noir, and wrestling fans including SGP Radio Originals and our blogs. Enjoy.
0: As a small business owner, you're redefining business as usual. From rethinking the way you work to reassessing your bandwidth, you're changing the way you do business. And at Cox Business, so are we. With flexible internet packages to get you back to business. Rethink. Reconnect. Reimagine. Get 50 megs of internet for only $70 per month for six months. No annual contract required. Ends 12 20 Restrictions apply. Visit coxbusiness.com for details. All services subject to Cox Business General Terms.